Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. Ozpost is one of those iconic Aussie brands. It has influence on this country's commerce, infrastructure, employment, and the social fabric. Rarely do we hear from Ozpost, which is why it's a great opportunity for me to chat with Gary Starr, who is the Executive General Manager of Business Services. Gary leads the design and delivery for small, privately run businesses to large corporations and government agencies. He also leads the product lifecycle management of Australia Post's parcel and mail products. Gary and I discuss how an old government-owned organisation such as Australia Post needs to continue to innovate. And in fact, how do they execute on innovation? How do they avoid getting distracted in business? In other words, not looking at every single new initiative that gets put to them, but at the same time, keep innovating. And what's their five to 10-year strategy? How do they derive a five to 10-year strategy? So let's get into it. Gary Starr with the STARR. Welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. Yeah, you've come up from Melbourne and you're an Oz Post guy. Like, uh, how's it feel to work for someone like uh, Straight Post? It's a bit like working for Qantas or something like that or CBA, Commonwealth Bank, like they're iconic brands. And, you know, most of our lives we grew up with um, Straight Post, in my case, buying stamps. Um, that's how far back <laughs> I go. But, uh, yeah, it's, they're, they're massively iconic brands. Yeah, I've been in tech all my life and switched, I guess, about nearly eight years ago. And I love the sense of purpose. So we are in every community it, and, and everyone has an opinion like, like Qantas posts. and like Telstra, yeah, yeah. But those that were originally owned by government and we still are, everyone has an opinion, but it also has a strong emotional connection to the brand. So it's a double-edged sword sometimes. Yeah, um, totally. You do, get, you do get feedback at barbecues and at, at family dinners. People don't realise this, but incumbents, incumbents, uh, these days anyway, always trying to bat off the disruptors and the only way you can get rid of the disruptors or beat the disruptors at their own game is to disrupt yourself. I mean, you've got to actually work out what disruptors might be trying to do in terms of password deliveries, for example, last mile, you know, how do I do it quicker, more efficiently, cheaper, or, or all of those things. I mean, therefore, in order to fend them off, you always got to come up with the same innovation. So you really are, have become, or have had to become innovators. That, that's right. But we've, we've, and then I, I subscribed to a book I read years ago called The Innovator's Dilemma by Clayton Christensen that talks about companies that are no longer around. Kodak. Um, yeah, Kodak, um, Digital Equipment Corporation that missed, that did not innovate. They were, they were making great margins out of their existing products, didn't, you know, and they could see these small players, but suddenly there was a tipping point and those small players suddenly 
you know, turned on the fulcrum and became large players. And uh, so from my perspective, and one of the things I love having come from tech to this industry is you're right, we are an incumbent, but we have to keep changing and innovating. And I believe we have to cannibalize ourselves. So we have to release new products and services and make sure we're staying ahead of the curve or others will do it to us. Yeah, that's very interesting. Actually, Professor uh, Clayton Christensen was the, the guy who originally coined the phrase disruption or disruptors um, and or probably more importantly, disruptive business models as opposed to disruptive technology. Um, now, they're two different things. Everybody thinks, oh, I've got some sort of technology that can disrupt the whole industry. No, but you've got to turn it into a business model. Probably the best example of that is um, uh, Gottlieb Daimler who, um, you know, invented the petrol engine in 1896 or something um, and uh, but also damn expensive and uh, unable to be mass produced that, A, it wasn't broadly available and where it was broadly, where it was available was too expensive. It wasn't under, uh, until Henry Ford came along with the Model T Ford. So I don't think he had from A to T, but I don't know why he called it T, but he had the T, Model T Ford. But there were a few iterations before the Model T Ford. When Henry um, uh, Ford turn, worked out about this thing called mass production, you know, he could put he could put together a Model T Ford and he used to be able to put these cars together really quickly and have them distributed around the country. That's the US of A. Um, all looked exactly the same. But as a result of being able to mass produce, you could put it out at a price that was affordable. So, so uh, Christensen, Clayton Christensen, come up with this this concept about disruption is a business model that allows something to be broadly available to to all people at a price which is affordable. And those two things were effectively there in a technology sense to undercut the incumbents, whoever the incumbents were. In those cases, in those days, it was trains horse and cart, carriage <laughs> or walking or whatever it was. And, uh, of course, people took up to cars. Look at us today. That's, uh, it's, you know, sustainable. It's a, it's a really a sustainable business model because we all still drive cars. Um, it's really interesting. So do you, I mean, obviously you've read that book. Um, do you, are you as a techie guy, which is your <laughs> background, um, are you um, really interested in turning tech into business models? Yes, and you know the I've seen so many the the dot com the dot com bubble bursting, uh, the 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 advent of the inter, you know IP and the internet and business models being disrupted. So from my perspective, it's not it's not just about the tech because as you say, there's got to be a business model, and we're seeing that now with um, generative AI AI and people saying, well, how how do we use it safely? But how do we actually and make, make money it, out of it? Value accretive. <laughs> that's right, make money out of it. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. And one of the things that attracted me to Australia Post was just how much technology underpins what we do and we have to use it effectively uh, to be able to compete as the incumbent with a lot of players coming in from a gig economy perspective, global marketplaces, we have to be able to compete and technology underpins a lot of that but it's got to be viable. Well, you know, like it, it is a sort of pretty seductive, juicy sort of looking environment Um Parcel delivery. Let's call. Let's call. You know, obviously, we're not talking about um, uh, sending letters out or stamps. Um, we are really, you know, your business today. Straight Post. One of its major businesses is parcel delivery, and you're competing with lots of people. Run low overheads, um, and uh, lots of people can test take a little bit of market share reach. Um, and but it's a great, great industry because y- you can't operate today unless if you can't get your parcels delivered or. Or as a consumer, you can't get parcels delivered to you. So it's a pretty seductive environment to get into. It looks pretty easy. 
<laughs> it looks pretty easy. I'm sure it's not. Um, it looks pretty easy. But as a result of that, you're going to get lots of people trying to uh, just knock off that little bit of market share reach from you. Um, and I've been through this process with the banking industry. Um, you know, they're all hoping that one day Australia Post is going to go and buy them. And you have bought a few businesses. You bought uh, Star Trek. That's right. Yep. You have, have bought a few businesses over time. Um, what's the sort of mentality working in a place like Australia Post when they see, you know, when, you, when you're the executive general manager of what division? What do you call well, it? Parcel. It's really our freight business, which is parcels and letters. So right, okay. Responsible for everything to do with parcels and letters. Right, okay. So you sit down with your executive general manager group, you know, which is like pretty much a leadership group within your organisation and you probably sit with them with your own team as well. So what it, what's uh, Gary Starr, uh, you know, what, what do you throw out there? Uh, hey, guys, you know, we're getting uh, stumped by these smaller guys or, um, you know, this is how we can take market share or this is how we maintain a market share. What, what are, what's the conversation look like, you know? So that's a great question. So, look, firstly, I, I given, given my background, I'm always sort of paranoid and given – the, the, what I've seen, the changes in tech. So looking at a lot of those startups and what they're doing um, and 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 I think that the, the organisation evolving to we don't have to build everything in-house. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's that's a really important point. Real, so And we've got a new one of my peers who joined four weeks ago um, as one of the, the EGM for our digital technology and data um, has come with, you know, a similar view. And so I, I see us uh, not trying to build everything ourselves, not trying to just mimic those small players, but understand how their business model works. And as you would know, many fail, but one or two will find a pathway through. So, and how can we partner? Um, you know, do, do we build more of an ecosystem where we can connect to other players? Where they and, do something better than you, well, yeah, or more they, just, they, they may do one part of the yeah. one part of the value uh, journey, you know, the, the the customer journey better. And um, I think changing that mindset from an incumbent where we can do it all ourselves to how do we partner, how do we also not build everything ourselves is is the way forward. So I'm constantly challenging that with my peers and we talk about what others are doing. Like there's a great example in our courier business, we deliver pharmaceuticals and you think about Uber or some of the apps now where you get great two-way communication, our systems aren't as modern as that today. And we're looking at how we modernize and provide some of that instant feedback from a driver, instant feedback from a pharmacy in real time. Um, and so how do we build that out? And maybe we partner to do it. We don't yeah. have to do everything in the value chain ourselves. So it's an element of all those things. We, we are large and have the wherewithal and we're spending, you know, up, you know hundreds of millions in terms of um, in, in capital with um, facilities and technology. But I think it's that ch that mindset around don't try to build it, – it has doesn't have to have been invented here for it to be successful. I want to talk about that in a second because it's, it's very interesting you should say that because the big banks, for example, um, are not too dissimilar to yourselves and they've worked out pretty quickly that it's not efficient for them to own bank branches. Now, I know a lot of people, people complain about it, I get it, but at the same time it's just inefficient. The cost of um, – uh, the cost to income ratio or maintaining your costs relative to your incomes if you own branches which you don't really generate that much revenue from, they just become collection points, is quite a costly exercise. Therefore, at the same time, you've got to deliver, but, you know, you you deliver mortgages out of branches, for example. Like in the old days, you go to a branch to do, you get your mortgage done. So what the banks worked out is, no, hang on, brokers are better at that stuff than we are, mortgage brokers. We, the bank, are really good at managing digital money. And, and transferring money across and settlements and all those sorts of things. So they have, you're right, they've partnered up with broking and the broking industry today delivers 72% of every mortgage in this country. 
the banks don't complain about it and uh, they work quite hum- harmoniously. One does one thing very well and the other does something else very well. So your point I think is is here is in the value chain. So the value chain being every step along the journey to the consumer and then back mm-hmm. to the wholesale. To well, we provider. call from discover to support. So going online and consideration about buying something, getting to check out, right through the pro- fulfilling then from a facility into the last into the last mile network. Yeah, so it's not just about the courier, no, which is the last mile, or yep. it's sort of like sort of like the last. We mile. We call it the last mile. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not that mile. It's actually more than a mile, but I don't know why we all call it the last mile. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Fulfillment is yes. probably the best example. So how do I get me? I'm a consumer. How do I get my order that I just bought online, t-shirt from the United States, fulfilled? So obviously, Australia Post, I can open up an office in the United States. So, you know, like someone in the United States delivers it to a dock, the dock then delivers it to Australia, Australia dock then you might, you guys might pick it up. Um, then you might put it in a warehouse and then you might have some other courier business come in and pick it up because it's got to get delivered to me in Byron Bay for argument's sake and you might not be that strong up there. But that's interesting. You actually build out the chain, the, the whole chain, the whole journey from consumer through the process back to the consumer. Well, we think about the whole journey and, of course, retailers manage that, the online, that that interaction online, um, their online store um, certainly or, or bricks and mortar store if they're selling that way. But we're certainly looking at how efficiently we can help them fulfil pick and pack it, and then how it gets injected into our network. And your example of the US is a good one. We do have a small team in the US. Obviously, we don't have assets there, so we rely on third, we partner with third parties to pick it up, pick up that T-shirt, and then get it onto a plane here into our into then into our network, but again, we will you know we will partner where we think it makes sense and where we have the assets and we think it's a strength. We'll obviously want to deliver ourselves, but it is more of and certainly from a technology perspective, it's much more of an ecosystem play where we don't have to build everything in house. We can partner to deliver an outcome, you know, a, a great customer experience. And how important is it when you go along to I don't know whoever it is in the US in that example. That they that they feel as though they're comfortable because they're dealing with you know a massive organisation like Australia Post. I mean, is is that comfort factor work for you guys? And because the vendor was quite comfortable dealing with someone like Ozpost as opposed to whoever else might be tapping on their door. Certainly for the Australia, so you know the Australian market, yes. And we have a subsidiary called APG that operates out of the US. But knowing that it's owned by Australia Post and the retailer there, knowing that 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 delivery and what they do call the last mile, you know, will be happening via Australia Post, the tracking the tracking's really clear, the customer service and support and follow-up are clear. Yes, it does. The, the, the team in the US and in the UK absolutely leverage the brand, knowing that it's coming to Australia and being ultimately delivered to a consumer here. And, and do you guys at Australia Post continue to do um, scores? Like you, you continually just get your brand scored to see where the brand is? We sits? do. So we look at RepTrack and yep. we're sitting in the top 10 right now. And so that's one way because it's it's sort of a, an, in, you know, it's, it's a, traceable and measured and independent. And we we do extensive um, customer service using Net Promoter Score, NPS. Yeah, yeah, yep. So we're measuring operationally um, in a post office, in a, a delivery um, at, you know, at various points in the value chain to understand how customers feel. And then 
you know, looking at looking at the data, we get we get verbatims as well that we can then at, react to and, and improve. But yeah, we absolutely measure it, and one of our key measures is where we sit from a reputation perspective. It is, it is an iconic brand, yeah. but it can very quickly, you know, we can very quickly get, um, you know, sort of negative sentiment. Um, and so, uh, service is critical, um, and how we how we front up every day is critical. Is that, is that a challenge, like keeping your crew, your team, your and yourself for that matter, um, always uh, energised because it'd be tough if you were NBN, for example. Like, my God, they cop it so hard. Um, and, you know, like Telstra does as well. Like, uh, you know, look, Optus recently, what they had to go through. Um, big, big brands and the big banks, uh, generally speaking in this country at least, people tend to, I don't know, blame them for everything. Um, how do you keep your team energized so a couple that's a great question a couple of things firstly um the, I've never worked for an organisation where there's such a connection to purpose. When we survey our teams, 97%, you know, we get a very high response in terms of connection to purpose. Um, and you, the postie out there on in the field or in a, or a post office, someone working in the post office um, are interacting every day and in the vast, vast majority of cases are getting positive feedback and they are well regarded. Um, we are rolling out a, a grassroots culture program at the moment called Our AP Way and it's for all 35,000 team members and all our partners and that's all about about this sort of fork in the road for us with letters in decline, parcels growing, and do we want it to go right or left? You know, and clearly we want to go left, which is keep growing with parcels and invest, find a way to deliver letters in a cost-effective and sustainable way. And we're rolling that out to it's leader-led. So we, the leaders of the business, are running these sessions for, for the, across the about 60,000 people over wow. a couple of years. That many people. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, and it's and I do we I do about a session a month. Um, uh, we you know I facilitate um, the sessions, so we've been trained to facilitate. And it's um, first I find it really rewarding. You're sitting with a group of posties who've been around thirty years, and that moment where they sort of click that we do have to the things have to change. You know, we've, yes, we've been through. You talked about the automobile, um, the facts, the, the, those various you know uh, paradigm shifts where we've had to evolve over the last two hundred and fourteen years. But we're at a point where you know we really are at a fork in the road. Letters have declined 67% since 2008 and we have to change. So they're aware of that and aware of the role they play in communities. And so I think largely this strong connection to purpose, but really getting their heads around the need for us to keep changing. We we, we talk about here are the things we want to hold on to from a cultural perspective, but here are the things that have to change, you know. And, and um, so, yes, we've got a very big focus on that, um, the, that the cultural change we need to go through at Australia Post. You don't look old enough to have been a postie, so I don't. I guess you weren't um, sort of um, uh, riding a bicycle back in the sixties and seventies, um, delivering letters. Um, and by the way, some people have been doing that at Australia Post, and good on them. And I reckon, I reckon the posties, I reckon it's a tough job, especially if you lived around where I lived when I was a kid growing up, because there was a dog in every house, <laughs> and there was never a fence anywhere. And um, the bloody dogs would. Well, I know our dog with a catalogue used to chase the postie. Um, where were you before this? Were you a, always a tech guy? What, what's your deal? Yeah, so so studied engineering, computer science at uni, and have been worked for not by design, but just circumstantially US multinationals um, for the last sort of twenty four years, and then the last seven at Post. Took a year off seven eight years ago. Um, didn't want to move offshore, and just had decided family and you know to travel was just getting too much. So I took a year off, and then was looking for something that was Australia based and. Met with the the CEO at the time, Ahmed Fahour, and 
just made sense to join. And I love that connection to purpose, to be honest. It was something um, I did have at Motorola to some extent because we dealt extensively with public safety and emergency services, but this was really in the very core of the business, that sense of purpose and the role that Australia Post plays in every community. I, I love that. And so I, I, so I get the intellectual stimulation, but I also feel like every day it matters. What we do actually matters. And making sure we are, we're custodians for a period of time, I hand it over to the next folks in a better shape than it was and with a sustainable pathway is actually really important. It matters to every Australian. And hence the everyone has a view. <laughs> everyone has an opinion. Totally. Well, got, well because you, you carry such great weight in our lives and uh, I, I therefore think uh, we probably everyone does have an opinion on Australia Post and or anything that holds great weight in our lives, banking, uh, uh, tele- telecoms, um, and, and in your case, uh, deliveries. You know, like, yeah, I'm not going to it. Interestingly, those two sectors, so as you know, as the banks pull out of regional towns, we're the last teller in town. Yep. We, can't, we can't provide all services, but we can provide, you know, withdrawals, deposits, account balances, and sometimes the roaming um, broker or bank manager will come to town for a day and can work out of the post office. And we are trialling a new concept of a community hub, first ones in Orange opening in a few months, and we're just trying different formats so to understand what is a community looking for, and how. And we'll try. We've got five trial sites, and we'll understand different formats so that we can then roll out more broadly, which will effectively be a post office of the future. So, you know, more parcels and letters. So the back office needs to be set up differently. A line for banking, um, online. You know, being able to um, shop online in store. Uh, one thing that captured the imagination when I did some media a while back was a change room. So the idea of you get a change. Oh, yeah, so you yeah, get yeah, your, yeah. I love that. You get your clothes delivered to the I community love it. hub. I love it. Yeah. We try it on there and yeah. not have to take it and out. And then the, not only does the retailer know you haven't, because what they do get is it's been worn to the races and then handed back. So yeah, yeah. here I can, with technology, know that you've come in, tried it on, handed it straight back because yeah. I can see the time and I can then know it's going back new and you then get a credit straight away for it and can go spend your money again. And so the whole idea is to understanding that that bit about returns being a friction point in online shopping, how can we change that? And it's that we're seeing those change rooms in other parts of the world, in Europe, being trialled. So it's one of the things we're looking to trial in Orange to understand how just the, the efficacy of that, how will it work? Especially in regional areas. That's actually really cool because I, I thought about it years ago, like uh be good if there was somehow you could – there's a room, like a, a booth, basically. <laughs> like you go in, because if I go into a store, that's all I do. I go into the, I'm not really going to the store. I'm going to just choose what I want to choose. I choose it off the rack, I guess. But then I go, but the really important thing for me to go in a store is not so much what's on the rack, but it's more to be able to cho- try it on and have a look at it. That's right. And maybe bring some with me and say, how's this, how do I look? Do I look all right? Or is this a little crap? And one of the challenges for on, for online retailers is, and I've seen my daughter do this, is I'll pick three colours or three sizes because it's all care, no responsibility yeah. for me. I'm just going to return it. Yeah. Um, and if they include returns, for if returns are part of the proposition and they are, a, as I said, a friction point, so many retailers offer free returns, then it's all care, no responsibility. Great consumer experience. I can literally drop it off at the post office or even into the street posting box and send the ones back I don't want. How a retailer manages that reverse logistics and the cost of it um, is really important. And so, um, again, these, this concept of what would a modern post office or service point look like where I've browsed online, picked what I want, I think. I go into the change room like you would physically in a store and then say I'll take that one and that one, give that one back, and it all happens in the chain. You know, it happens in situ, not yeah, – yeah. No, <laughs> That's totally. the idea. So, And that's all about us thinking about what does a modern post office look like and what are the services 
the, the community needs, but banking and telecommunications. So selling, uh, you know, um, mo- mobile services and NBN services, again, where there isn't a, a, a Telstra Optivotophone shop or there isn't an NBN, you know, there's no wherewithal to do that. So people still want a physical interaction to understand more about the service. So they're the sort of services that we have already, but we'll be trialing in these community hubs to understand just how effective they are. And it, obviously a very r- a rural post office will be different to a regional metro. So diff- we're trialing different formats so that we can then say it'll be a kit of parts that we can then roll out based on the demographic and the area that it's serving. That's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. That's uh, sort of nearly reinventing yourself to some extent. Um, well, it's all about the modernisation of the apart from the support we're looking for from the government for some regulatory change around the letter service and you know pricing and delivery frequency. Post offices are really are still important, and like you know, closing a bank branch is hard enough. Closing a post office, you're going to get the local. Mem- you know, there's a lot of interest in um, the, the the local community. They know the post office manager well by name, typically, and so it is a big deal. Um, you know, as we looked at how do we service the community and there'll be some sites that are unattended, you know, parcel lockers and kiosks, but there'll still be obviously attended sites with people um, serving, serving the community with services that, that require an over-the-counter interaction and where, or where the customer wants an over-the-counter, a face-to-face interaction. It's, it's, it's very interesting and I guess um, what I find sort of quite fascinating these days anyway for Straight Post is that they're recruiting people with computer science degrees and engineers which is sort of slightly different to what they used to recruit um, 20-odd, 25-odd years ago, um, you being a, a, an engineering solution-based logic-style person, problem, engineer a solution. Mm. Hopefully we get the out, right outcome. Test, test, then get the outcome, which is what you're talking about in relation to the modern-style modern, modern style post office. But it's a way of thinking and Australia Post has obviously changed its way of thinking. You must have had some really rich experience at Motorola because I, I don't know if you were at Motorola when the Razor came out. I was. Yeah. It was the most, after the iPod, it was the second most sought after. I joined just then. So everyone was asking me, I was everyone's best friend, can you, can you get me a Razor? There was a Dolce & Gabbana one. There was a Ferrari one. They, it was, and that was a great example of they, we, a small team in a separate building. I think there were three or four of them with with and their remit design the, the slimmest phone you can considering battery power, screen size, and they, the Razor was what they yeah. – but that's another great Clayton Christensen story because the, the mobile phone business at the time, and I, I never – I worked in the wireless infrastructure business, but that mobile phone business was a market leader and it's still around but not in Australia, but it found, lost its way when the, the smartphone arrived. And I know at the time my colleagues would say, oh, that, that, that'll never take off, the battery life, the screen size, and look at where we are today. Well, they've now got, they've got the, 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 those flip fold screens now back anyway. They do, yeah. As a, as a, it's funny because I, I was um, um, running a company it was an American-based company. I was a chairman of a company in America, um, in Chicago, and we owned in Chicago out and we had our um, campus out at a place called Lake Zurich in Chicago. Oh, yeah. We were and, in Schaumburg. Yeah, in, and we had a – we Chicago. owned a business there called uh, PDT, Product Development Technology, and um, we were on the team. We, we were a communications business, a, a comms business, an expert in comms, and we actually designed alongside – Motorola, the Motorola, and uh, then we got the job. We won the contract to um, design all the accessories for Motorola um, uh, over a long period of time. It was a very lucrative business. But then, as you say, the um, razor became um, non-rigueur, non-de-rigueur. And, yes. Uh, people st- and, they, and the smartphone came came out and uh, 
And uh, what was that uh, phone that used to have all the Q, the Motorola Q? So we did. They did release one. Yeah. With with a BlackBerry like yeah, Black phone, style. but not touchscreen. And again, I remember at the time thinking about uh, the real estate will never be big. And you know, and you think about how we now use a, a touchscreen. So and of course now Motorola, there, there are everyone has a touchscreen. So it is about though again saying well, making a lot of money. It's a number. You know, it's the most sought after phone. And it became non de rigueur, but yeah. it it was at the time. And suddenly, having roughly twenty five thirty percent market share, to um, this whole new categories appeared, and it just has fun disrupted the existing thinking around it. The other thing that I learned then that still plays out today is um, I remember the chief technology officer talking about, and this was a year. This was ten years, 10, 12 years ago. That battery battery technology would be critical in the future. And um, lithium would become, uh, and you know, because back then you had to keep charging them. Yeah. Now we can get through a whole, you know, these devices uh, last um, as it's evolved. And he said that that'll be companies will differentiate because of that. So for us, work, a postie working a shift with a, a scanner, which is a, a really a small mobile computer with a screen, a small smartphone with a screen, an industrialized one, needs to last the whole shift. And that technology is really important. So I remember distinctly remember the chief technology officer saying to me, "You watch." Battery technology and how critical it will be, like the um, the swappable batteries on on tools on smart devices, and it's just we use them every day and expect them to last. So they're, they're great experiences. Watching how technology does disrupt, it does disrupt, particularly in the comms area. Then all of a sudden, it can become disrupted in itself, like the Motorola was, um, and even Nokia, for that matter, did the same thing happened to Nokia later on, but. You you take but being a computer scientist dash engineer you take you you've seen you've had those experiences. How do you? What are you doing today at Ozpost that is looking at all those experiences and trying to innovate it in Ozpost relative relative to say the small business community. Right. So it's, yeah, it's a good question. So um, well, firstly, very much try to think through the lens of a small business and what they're looking for. And understanding their journey, um, the the biggest focus for me is around simplifying. We, we are comp, we are big and complex, and that's just two hundred years of as heritage. As an organisation, as an organisation, and our systems and you know um, have built up over time. So for me, the biggest single focus area is simplify how to simplify things so it's easier for for those small businesses to transact with us. Um, we have too many digital front door. Yeah, you know, we've got too many different ways to access Australia Post. Our product portfolio is complex, um, and so what's critical from my perspective is to remove complexity. Some of that technology will help with, uh, but it's also about pro- you know it's pe- always people, process, and tools. It's about all three, um, and so that that's where I'm really focused is around simplification. Tech, and my other, not concern, but thing to keep an eye on is technology won't solve, as you said, there's got to be a sound business case. And part of that is like with artificial intelligence now and some of the new data tools is having the ability, it's great to have the tools, you need the capability to interrogate and how they get used day to day to good effect. So it's also lifting the capability of our people to use data, to use dashboards, to use the information to make sound business Intern- decisions internal. internally, yep. which then better serve our customers. So there's an enormous amount through the investments we've made, you know, by scanning a parcel at every uh, uh, point in its journey and being able to weigh it and dimension it, I have visibility and I can use that information to surface valuable information for a small business to know that it's on its way. And the last thing they want 
is a customer ringing them to say, where's my parcel? Yeah. And so how do I do that proactively so they don't have to do that? So, tra- so tracking. Tracking and we push push information out to them so they know. To the customer and to, to the, both. both. To the sender both and customers. the receiver. Yeah, both, both customers. customers. And because if you think about the, the total cost for the small business, the thing you'd know better than me, they're time poor. Mm. And anytime they're spending chasing customers down or chasing us down, is, is lost time for them they do not have. So making life simpler. When I talk to small customers, often the frustration is, gosh, you make it complex, Gary. The service is good. The, the, the delivery service gets there in time. You know, you know, the vast majority of cases gets there on time, gets there in, a, in, a, in its original state and it's in pristine condition. But when things go wrong, making it simple, surfacing information proactively, it's all there in our systems. How do I then surface it so it's valuable to, the biz- to that business, particularly the, 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 the small business retailer is critical. And we've got a way to go. It's a work in progress. So uh, taking complexity out of a system is a is a bit of a journey, but that's what I'm constantly challenging um, with my peers and, you know, with, with my team. That's going to be constantly iterated and it constantly evolving because the expectations of your two customers are always going to be changing as well. So all you're going to be doing, I guess, what you're saying here is you're going to have to keep meeting those expectations, therefore doing new, mm. new iterations of whatever it is that you're doing in terms, of, in terms of delivery or looking after being the caretaker of the parcel that, I, the customer, have just bought from your other customer, your vendor, uh, and that because that, that's what you are. It is. It's a virtuous cycle too. Because if you enjoy the research, tells us if you enjoy the experience, you'll buy from them again. Yeah, we're an, I know we're an extension of their brand in the last mile. So that delivery, when it comes to your place, whether it's left in the letterbox, you have a post office box or a locker, or to your front door, that ex, that that experience is you know where you finally receive the product, you've, you've experienced it online, you then receive it. So they, that experience is very important to the retailer and your, your inclination to buy again from them will, will be influenced by that experience. That, that's part of the experience. So we're very sensitive to that virtuous cycle and that there's really two customers involved. We're a platform effectively two customers involved. I'll give you a good example. You talk about, you know, making things simpler. We yesterday launched a new, it's, it's a metro service. It's not, you know, no magic. It's a parcel going from A to B, but in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane metro area. Because what people want, some of the global marketplaces that you would know um, offer this next day. You subscribe and you get a next day service. Um, we can do that, but how do we take complexity, less steps out of our network to get that parcel from A to B and extend the cutoff time till eight o'clock at night so that you can check out and know it's going to come tomorrow. We launched it about, we started about six weeks ago and we launched it formally yesterday. What's it called? Australia Post Metro. Right. So it's it's a really a next day, um, highly reliable next day service. The, the calls to our contact centre have fallen through the floor because no one rings because it just comes the next day. Um, the retailer loves it because they're not getting calls and and they know that if they lodge it with us by 8pm, it will be there next day. They they being the, the retailer. The retailer, yep. Yeah, and, and – um, and so we're seeing you know, take up a significant take up of this new service, but it is just reworking the existing capability to deliver something clearly consumers and that the sender and the receiver are looking for, which is certainty and speed. So that that's and it just everything's a little bit simpler. Um, we have our express post service that's still a next day service across the country, but this was a very specific you know reaction, I guess, to the market wanting. Um, that you know, click today and, and some of those global marketplaces, it'll tell you if you order it by 4 p.m., it will be here tomorrow and to offer other retailers the opportunity to have a similar offer that is a, effectively a, a next day in metro area offer. So there's a bit of tech behind that changing process and operationally, but that's um, they're the sort of things we need to do more of as the market keeps evolving. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I'm here with Gary Starr. He's Executive General Manager of a really big title, but basically <laughs> uh, getting stuff delivered from one point to another point, uh, from uh, for the customers to the customers, and uh, and you know we, I, I, I find it quite intriguing um, how you know we talk about disruptive technologies and we talk about disruptive business models right at the very beginning of this chat, but also what's really important to talk about is how do we change, or how do we become an agent for change. In an organisation as big as Auspost, Australia Post. I mean, there are people out there who will say, "Well, I I come up with that idea ten years ago. I think it works. or still works." I mean, how do you navigate your way around all that? I mean, is it just by being nice, or do you have to <laughs> do you have to um, lobby, or do you have to um, build compelling arguments with documentation and um, data? I mean, wh- wh- how does it work? Well. Mostly the latter, but I guess what I'd say is firstly, um, one thing we have developed is a very clear strategy called Post 26, which talks about the things we need to do um, to transform the business and to be sustainable for the future. And um, there are five, there are sort of six key imperatives there. So number one is anything that doesn't relate to those six imperatives, you know, it's just it's noise. And we've we we are getting better at you know, pushing aside the things that don't connect straight back to that strategy because there's lots of things we could do, but we've got to focus on the well, core. Well, that's of- a really important thing for business owners to listen to. So here we have one of the biggest businesses in Australia just choosing six things. I mean, I know people who have 20 things, uh, 15 things. Our capacity to do more than six is limited. You know, like, in fact, if you're a small business, you probably should be looking at three or four. Three or four, I would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and all the rest of the stuff is middling, what they call middling importance, things that aren't really important because the reason they're not important because you're just never going to get there. Mm -hmm. They become what they consider to be distractions and distractions can kill a business. So you you guys got six things you stick yep. to, and if it's if it's outside those six things, well, we're getting better at saying yes. Yeah, so that's it's a it's a it's a work in progress, say. work in progress. But we are now. It's called the post. So it's well branded. The post twenty six strategy. It's actually a house, so with six rooms, so it's easy for people to visualize. We have a post twenty six steerco, which meets fortnightly, and unless again, unless it's in one of those, it's a rooms in a six rooms in a house. If it's unless it's in one of those six sort of rooms, then it's deprioritized from a capital. And it just everything, people, capital, um, because otherwise we end up doing lots of things 
in a mediocre way versus focusing down on 100%. The, the very small number of things that will really move the needle. So that's important because big organisations tend, can tend to get distracted with lots of stuff. And uh, that, that's fantastic that Australia Post has actually sort of drawn that conclusion. Well, we're recognising that we yeah, – and we, we're recognising that we have to – there are things we have to stop there for yeah. to free up capacity to focus on the things that really matter. And we're getting much more disciplined around saying, well, if it's not in the Post-26 strategy house – then it's 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 great as you said great idea park it has merit park it may have a great ROI but park it because we're going to focus on simplifying our products and services winning in e-commerce reimagining the post office network creating di- great digital experiences and building the capability of our teams and systems and pro- so they're the six areas and there are projects that sit underneath those very clearly defined and unless you can link back to one of those projects you got to come to that sticker and say I'd like some money to do X which which initiative in the house does it point to it doesn't well look that's great but we're going to park that for now maybe we'll look at that in FY26 or FY27 so I'd say for smaller businesses where they don't I mean we are obviously larger and have a sticker and have these processes is to be really disciplined about what is just no, you know just to to push away the noise and focus on the two or three things that will really move the needle if in a small business I think if you can get if you can actually do three you're doing really well, but it's identifying those three. So, the, so Australia Post is sort of um, operating now less like a government organisation, from my point of view, anyway, more like a business, like really like a business, and because and that is about recognising what your customers need. So, I mean, you know, I guess in terms of the six things you've landed on for Post Twenty Six, Post Twenty Six, yeah, um, is those things that are customer centric. It's about being customer centric. What, 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 because if you look after the customers, the whole business looks after itself, sort of thing. That's right. And we, well, so we took, so in the, the roof of the house has our three strategic imperatives, which is delighting our customers' communities, um, creating a sustainable future and supporting each other. So if we do those, so we, we, we can, we've got to do those three things to, to get there. But what's in the house, the rooms is what's really important. Um, and you asked before about how do we look at the, how do we sort of look at customer? So we we do what's called journey mapping. So we look at a customer from you know the journey they take with us and understand where are the friction points in that journey for them. And I'll give you a for example. Today, a small customer uses a, a tool called My Post Business. It's easy for them to um. What is you know, that? It, it's it's a web portal where I can print out labels, I can track my parcels, I can seek support. But the bill- If I'm a business owner. If you're a small business, yeah. yeah for, like am I the retailer, for yes, example? Yes, you're the yeah. retailer. Right. Yep. So you're a small retailer. You, you would, you, you, the journey normally is, um, and I'll, I'll use an example because he's talked about it in the public domain, is Ruslan Kogan. So he started lodging parcels- Sat right there three weeks ago. Did he? Yeah. Okay. So Ruslan started lodging parcels in a post office in Elstonwick when he was living with yep. his mum and dad. And he would go in every day, meet the staff, he knew their names, knew when they were on leave. And he got to a, then one or two parcels, three or four, got to a size where he then started to organise pickups with us. And now he's grown and grown. So many have a strong emotional connection to us because they started lodging parcels over the counter. But we look at that journey for someone- that's small as they grow and what's important, you know, how do they, how do they print a label? How do they lodge the parcel? How do they track it? How do they pay it? How do, how do they get their bill and pay it? So one example today that we need to improve is there's a different system to go into to look at your bill. It should all be in one system. And today it's in two. So, you know, when we look at, the, when we get feedback from customers, they say it's frustrating. They've got to log out of this one, log into that one. And for a small business who's time poor, Punish. that's frustrating. So, but these systems have built up over time and for good reason, but today they are not satisfying the customer, the journey that a customer takes every day. So we map the journey horizontally from 
start to finish and then understand, we then identify the friction points and then work through solving for those. And we we found lots of friction points and so step by step we remove them um, and test with customers, test, you know, test small and learn, but then um, we'll roll out those changes and understand that it has, you know, removed the friction. And what would Rosalind say now? Like he's, he's, he's still using you? Oh, he could, oh, he, he's, he's a very big customer and he would say, I think I can, you know, I, I speak to him regularly. He, you know, um, there are things we can do better, but, um, you know, ostensibly he'd say we do a pretty good job and he's, he had, does had, he's had, he did speak to our leadership team three or four years ago about his journey with Australia Post from very small to where he is today. So can I just go back to that? It's my post. My post. My, my, my post, post business. Portal. Yeah. So what, what are the sort of things I could use my post for? So as I said, you would today, if you just walked into the post office, you could go buy a satchel, pay for it and hand it in and it would get delivered. My post business um, starts to give you discounts when you get to a certain number, a certain uh, spend. So it's called spend and save. So I get a discount compared to, say, the rack rate that yes. I would normally yeah. pay if I just walked in Correct. randomly. Yeah. So there are a number of bands. There are five bands and you, as you spend more, you go to the next band and you get a deeper discount. Yep. So it's recognising your loyalty and your, your custom. And also economies of scale. And economies of scale. Yep. And um, and with that, you, you use a, a, there's a web, so instead of buying a satchel off the shelf in the post office, you're using the, the internet. You go in, um, you have an account and you can uh, so you, you you pack your ten t-shirts that you're selling. Um, you then can print the ten labels through My Post Business, put the labels on, and then lodge them. And then you can track. You can use My Post to track your parcels. Um, and you know th- it has other functionality that a small business would use to to be able to to lodge and track. You know, pay for the parcel, pay for the label, lodge it, and track it till it gets to its destination. So that, that so that saves me the retailer to have to invest in any of that sort of stuff. That's right. I'm just doing it on a, a user basis, nearly. So I'm, I'm I'm only paying as I use. I'm not putting any capital in something. That's right. To, to and and you've got the tools stuff. there, and we've built interfaces to other tools so that for accounting, you know, for other purposes, so it's easier for small businesses to then connect to other other tools that I mean, they like use. Zero and, and, and Shopify, yeah, yeah different Shopify, or, or yeah. The, the, yeah, so that they can start to use um, other tools, and it makes it all. And I talked about that ecosystem earlier. So we're accepting we're never going to build shopping carts or you know yeah. uh, online shops, uh, but they, they, if they're using Shopify for their business, it's a lot easier if I can print a label or, you know, so there's many systems they can interface with that they're using as a, in other parts of the value chain. Is there someone around the world, like say Singapore Post, for example, is there someone that Australia Post wants to be, you know, like because you want to be the best you can be? Yeah, look, so we 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 uh, regularly benchmark. Yeah. And, and to be honest, Mark, it's changed over the years. It would, you know, it's been different postal operators at different times. The one that I think stands out typically is DHL. DHL. So DHL Deutsche Post. So they Which are- Which is the German postal yeah, service. Yeah, and they're the, yeah, they've private, yeah, but it's a German postal service. Yeah. Um, and, and there are a lot of things they do very well. And so they, we often look to them for, uh, but there are other players that are not owned by government or weren't the incumbent that have spun out of government that are pure parcel players that also we look at who have um, great technology. They've, they've others who have great digital platforms. Um, they've got some really innovative um, solutions that they have. So we do look, we, 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 we do study tours occasionally. We look around the world to learn what others are doing and why they've been successful. And we try to you know pick the eyes out of that. But I have to say, um, Australia, my sense is that we we do a pretty like in relative terms as the postal operator that's had to evolve, 
that we've done a pretty good job relative to our peers around the world. And many of our postal counterparts would have 20 or 30% market share now of the parcels market. Australia Post is still, you know, the lead player and sort of in the 60, 70% range. So we do, we are, we have invested in technology early back in, you know, the 2012, 13, 2012, 2013. Um, and that set us up to, to, as, to, as e-commerce started to take off, we had the capacity and the capability to serve that market. Whereas other countries, someone sprung up and has taken a big share. So we, we have, but it's very competitive and more so since COVID. So we, we just, as I say, my background tells me never, ever uh, take anything for granted because, um, and I wouldn't say be paranoid, but be vigilant, always looking over your shoulder because there'll be others who will want to disrupt and who will pick out, you said, like parts of the, the value chain where they can make money, yeah. where they get economies of scale and and cherry pick. And we, we, we're sensitive to that and we've got to be able to react to that. And that, that Metro service we just, turned on is is, is does an example, is an example of that where there are others offering a they can do it just in that area we have to deliver to Karatha and to you know to um all over the country to kangaroo island we we, we do given who we are and we want to but you know the cost to serve is high so how do we others who just pick off a little bit of the pie so we've got to be able to uh, uh, compete there as well and have you know and, and react to that you have to have a level of intelligence. Uh, what I mean by that is information coming out of the out of the marketplaces like Sydney Metro, Melbourne Metro, Brisbane Metro. The, on the example you gave before, um, you have to have the intelligence coming out. Well, hang on. What are the what are what what's the latest product pricing, delivery service times, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, access. Uh, digital access, et cetera, you have to be always on the ground. You have to be have field officers or people out there all the time bringing back to you or your to your group, to the leadership group, this is what we're seeing out there. How do we react? Do you then set up a, like, um, do you then have a list of um, a wish list of things that, you know, that you'd like to achieve? Absolutely. And that Metro example is a great one because it was only – Six six or eight months ago, we we were seeing leakage in that metro area. And leakage the, is the word. Yeah, yeah, leakage. And the team went out and said, firstly, fifty one percent of all parcels in Australia are delivered in those metro areas. Over half. Wow. So that's where most people live. That's where most online shopping's done. So metro being being Sydney, greater Sydney. Thirty. We said we called it the thirty five kilometres of Sydney, Brisbane, yep, got Melbourne. Got it. Yep. And Adelaide, Perth, and the main metropolitan areas. So we said, well, we've got it. That's a battleground. We have to play there because it's core. So then we said, well, how would we simplify the movement of it? Because today it goes to here and it goes to a facility, it gets sorted. Um, and we do that nationally. So we have a hub and spoke model. But if I just want to do Melbourne Metro, how do I remove steps, take complexity out, but give, a, give get that speed and certainty? Um, so we need a lot of data to make that decision. Um, and we launched a product when we, that we made the decision in April and launched it in July. So we moved very wow. quickly. That's quick for Australia to, Post. It's quick for Australia Post and, and to get the tech done. Um, and in fact, interestingly, after the media last night, a couple of customers have reached out saying, why weren't we part of this launch? Well, they didn't move quickly. You know, some don't have their tech ready. And it's, it's, it's a great thing when we're not um, dragging the chain on tech and it's our customers. So we're actually, it's great to see, I have to say. Uh, correct me if I'm mistaken. Um, have I seen some ads, Australia Post, uh, you, you are promoting something at the moment? Yeah, so we, we are promoting just that we deliver for Australia, and but we're doing that through, well, My Post Business ads, so a yep. small candle maker who, you know, is is, is using My Post Business. Um, we're, we're, push, we're positioning parcel lockers because they are, um, they're a 24-7, they're a convenience option for customers. One of the big things is I'm not home and I get a card 
you know, left in the letterbox and that's that's frustrating for customers. So if they could get it delivered to a locker. So we're trying to position A, that we are there for all Australians and we deliver. Um, and then we're focused on things like my post business parcel lockers, the things that uh, that we are valuable to customers um, and hopefully that they'll latch on to. That's interesting. The, um, I remember maybe 10 years ago, lockers were going to be the big solution. I think Post did a lot of them um, and a number of others but around the world. But, um, and, but really... The solution is a mixture of things. So everybody will choose. You need to basically give everyone a menu of things they can choose from. And uh, I remember Armand was there at the time and uh, Armand Fahor, he was the CEO, and uh, I was talking about various things And because um, he was at NAB before, so I knew him from the banking industry. But um, he was quite an innovator and always wanted to do smart stuff. Like he, I mean, there was some criticism around Armored, et cetera, how much he was getting paid and stuff like that. But but, but the guy was an innovator. You, you, you there's no mistake about it. And Australia Post, I felt as though Australia Post sort of changed when he got there. I mean, it, and it started looking at, and it was the time to change too, by the way, because everyone was, the, the competition was changing around the world. But it was actually a good period for Australia Post, but it takes a long time to get this stuff right. Uh, look, and as I, I, I agree 100%. He, um, I mean, I'll disclose Ahmed hired me, but um, I was only there for, I think, 12, 18 months of his time before he left. But when I cited the investments back in 2012, 13, they were, um, that, that was part of the, Delivering the tomorrow, they had a, a, a catch cry for their strategy. I can't remember what deliver, better tomorrow or something like that. But uh, um, and that part of that was the buying out the other half of Star Trek from Qantas, yep. and it was about a billion dollar investment into these facilities and the Star Trek acquisition on the basis that e-commerce was going to take off. Yep. And so get that earlier, and no that one knew that. But no, no one, one knew. knew. Yep, that early investment, when I arrived, those facilities were live and were, were churning hundreds of thousands of parcels out a day and we had the capacity that no one else had to deliver for e-commerce. So I do, I do say, I say Ahmed had a, a massive, his fingerprints are all over this business. And I think now the Paul Graham, the current CEO, the next phase and his this post-26 strategy is the next piece of that. And I think I'm confident we're on the right path to, to you know, to respond, we have we have that, those assets there that um, it was that you know I guess it was the um, kicked off, but there's further investment now, and and a real change in terms of digital interaction, all the things that have changed over COVID and data and uh, yeah data and analytics and and how we use artificial intelligence that weren't there with Ahmed, but are now very much front and center. But that underpinning capacity to deliver for e-commerce is still there, and we've made good investments in the last few years that gives us you know part runway for the next many years. Well, Gary, I'm really glad you came because I'm in today because I'm actually, to be frank with you, uh, somewhat. Um, I'm encouraged. I, I feel good that uh, Aussie Post is is taking itself beyond where it used to be. I mean, I, I accept um, it did a lot of stuff back in those days, but there's been so much rapid change. I mean, that old Moore's Law, you know, like technology. <laughs> I think it's wrong. I'm glad you know it, I, but it's, I think it's wrong. You think it's too slow? Yeah. I think it's too slow today. <laughs> I think it's like six months, not two years. You know, his his rule was, I think, uh, transistor technology. Eighty months. Yeah. Uh, 80 months. 80 months. Well, my the first when I was at university, the Honeywell computer took up a room the size of a hall. The iPhone has more. Um, processing capacity than that PDP, whatever it's called, a PDP 800, yeah. whatever it was. You know, so it, it, it has palm of the hand, a whole, a big computer room back in 1986, 87. So it has, yeah. 
Yeah, I know. He's faster I, than eighteen months. Eddie, I agree. I, t- I think it more. If I think, don't think he's around anymore. But if he was around now, he might be. We might want to redesign his law <laughs> because, and you know, someone like Australia Post has to fit into that. I mean, you can't uh, ignore that. Otherwise, you, you will lose market share, as you said, and and others will take advantage of it. And it's good to see Australia Post employing data scientists and engineers and looking at these things from proper logistics point of view, because that's what Australia Post is a logistics company. And uh, you know, like it, it's a it's an iconic brand. I get all that, but it really is a the biggest logistics company in Australia, and possibly one of the in market share, probably one of the biggest in the world. So it's great to see Australia Post having a crack being tough on itself in terms of I love that six initiatives for uh, post-26. I love that. I mean, that's that's music to my ears to hear a big organisation actually putting itself Really in rallying around that. I that tell you, that's it's, a big deal. It's every. It's sort of in the vernacular now and it's it's part of every day. And our CEO, Paul, constantly reinforces if it's not on the if it's not in the post-26 strategy, we're not doing it. You know, no, no, I, I love that. I mean, that's, that's, it's great as an Australian to know that a business that's owned by all Australians is looking at their business in that way, and I just I, I just appreciate um, the fact you come in and gave us a, a real good external, from my point of view, look inside the business, and that's and that, that's pretty cool stuff. Because in the past, Australia Post would tell you nothing. Many years ago, I'm talking about it, it was none sort of none of your business type of thing. Australia Post being so um, open and sending someone of your uh, at your level in the organisation to talk about this on our, on my podcast it's cool and uh, appreciate it and all the best with our for, for Australia Post with our small business community because the small business community has to keep up with their competition and they need you and Australia Post to help them do that yeah. thanks I really appreciate the opportunity thank you Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.